whether it's the legendary Lionesses, grassroots or expert analysis of the women's leagues, Women's Football News has it all covered. A brand new monthly magazine packed with news, interviews and expert opinion. Don't miss Women's Football News. Pick up a copy today from participating retailers. Women's Football is here to stay. And so are we. Hello everyone, Rob Guest from Football.London here and welcome to the latest episode of Gold and Guest Talk Tottenham, sponsored by NordVPN. Today it's our second episode this week and we're going to be looking ahead to Sunday's Premier League game against Man City. Joining me is Alistair Gold. Ali, how are you? Yeah, I'm all right. How are you? You had your birthday this week. Do you feel a big 5-0? <laughs> it's half that age. <laughs> <laughs> you wish although it's quite funny wasn't it how i don't think till people started watching the youtube people thought you were like really older you must have a real gravitas in your voice it's it's the voice yeah i think so but no no the birthday it was all right it's just another day really so just another day. It's, it's, it's never really bothered me but no it was good did you do anything exciting uh no not really just sorting stuff out of the house so <laughs> That was it. Rock that was roll. my day. Yes. Right then. Since the last podcast on Monday, there's been some big news out of Spurs, and that is Rodrigo Bentancur's out on the sidelines for two and a half months after that challenge from Matty Cash in Sunday's defeat against Aston Villa. I think it was one of those where everyone was just probably expecting the worst, especially with Bentancur literally just a month ago coming back from that. ACL, ACL injury after nine months on the sidelines. It was his first Tottenham start against Villa since that injury. And yeah, I just think it was one of those. And given Tottenham's look on the injury front at the moment, that I think we just all knew he was going to be facing a spell out of action. Yeah, it's, oh, it's so rough. I feel so sorry for him. More than anyone else, I feel so sorry for Rodrigo Bentancur. I mean, what are the chances of your first start in nine months and someone just puts in a kind of a lazy, late, unpleasant tackle that then takes you out for another two and a half months? I do feel so sorry for him. Um, it's just completely out of his control. It's like I saw someone on social media when I put the story up about it yesterday, saying, oh, he's so injury-prone. So, oh, my goodness. <laughs> he's not injury-prone. Poor guy just, you know, got a cruciate ligament injury, which can happen to anyone. And then he comes back and someone does a rubbish tackle on him. I tell you, Matty Cash, though, I think he's going to be one of those now, isn't he, that Spurs fans are going to boo every time there's ever a game. It was a bit like, do you remember Charlie Adam just went through this phase of, like, hacking people down in Spurs matches? He just kept going for Gareth Bale a couple of times as well. And ironically, I think he actually injured himself quite badly in a match against Spurs, I think. Do you remember that? It was no, Charlie Adam. No, no. I can't remember that. I wasn't really watching Spurs matches back then. So, no, <laughs> I, I'm assuming that was when Charlie Adam was at Stoke. Or was it when yeah. he was at Liverpool or Blackpool? I th I'm Probably trying to remember Stoke. if it was Blackpool and Stoke. I don't remember if it was around right. it. I think he had a bit of history. It was certainly Stoke. I just remember him a few iffy ones on bail. Um, and then I feel like I remember him getting himself injured as well. And he became a bit of that kind of the boo boy. I think Matty Cash is now, you know, these two bad ones, Matt Doherty and... And Benton Kerr, I think Doherty was out for longer than probably two and a half months in all with everything that went on with him. Um, oh, it's just such a shame. And it's 
as you say, we're kind of expecting it now, which is a ridiculous thing. I mean, you've seen it right now. For the City game, there's at the moment, unless um, we get news that SAR is available uh, at tomorrow's press conference, at the moment, you know, it's an 11-man team of injured or one suspended player in um, Romero. It's just obscene the amount of injuries that Spurs are dealing with right now. And it's not even like they're just quick injuries. The bulk of them are two, three months, four months. There's one for the season in Perisic. Um, I mean, Solomon was about four months, wasn't it, when he first did his as well. I suppose Richarlison's like, Richarlison and Ashley Phillips are probably two of the quicker ones with the um, the month out. Um, it's just, if I'm Postacoglu, I'm just thinking, okay, people told me that Spurs was a bit cursed. <laughs> I didn't actually believe it until I walked in these doors. It's just incredible what happens at Spurs. It's always something bizarre happening every day. Um, it's, I mean, it is a big blow. It's, it's, he looked in that number six role straight away, like the talent he is, Benton Kerr. And it was so, I mean, Postacoglu said it himself when I asked him about him. He said all of their good football in that first half an hour was pretty much down to the way Benton Kerr was playing and driving them through the centre. Ah, oh, such a shame. I mean, how do you think it impacts Spurs, not only going forward, but maybe in the January transfer window? Uh, well, I think January was always going to be a pivotal month for the club in the transfer market anyway, because uh, Spurs are going to be losing Pat Matassar and Izbisuma, uh for the Africa Cup of Nations, and that's a month-long tournament. So there was probably always a feeling that whilst you know centre-back has to be priority and potentially a new attacker, you might want to look at bringing in a new midfielder. And I think we've been to care out now. I think you're probably going to have to look at bringing in uh, a new uh, midfielder. Yes, there's options to cover with Pierre Milhoibierg, Oliver Skip, Giovanni Lacelso still at the club, but you don't want to be leaving yourselves too short uh, in that area of the pitch, especially you know at a key time in the season as well. This is when you know Spurs will want to be pushing on and making sure they're in and around the top four come the end of uh, the season. And I know. December's a busy month with the fixtures. January less so because this time we've got the the return of the mid-season break. And there's only two Premier League games on the agenda, but potentially two FA Cup games, obviously providing Spurs uh, winning the FA Cup third round. And then it does start picking up again in February. In terms of Saren Basuma being out, I mean, it's up in the air how long they'll be uh, away with the respective countries for. Senegal are uh, the favourites to win the tournament, so Sar could be missing for the full month. Basuma and Mali, not so sure how they'll do. Certainly not one of the favourites uh, to go far in the competition. But yeah, it's a huge, huge blow uh, to have Benson care out because this is the time everyone was probably expecting him, you know, to step up and you know help cover the loss of Sar and Basuma. But with all three of them out now, I think there's certainly going to have to look at uh, the midfield options come January. Yeah, just very quickly, should apologise to the people on YouTube for the very boring background that we've got once again for this podcast. The technical types are um, sorting it all out for us, but they didn't have it quite ready yet for today. Um, yeah, on Benzica, the other knock-on effect is you get, I think in January, is someone like, I would imagine Oliver Skip would probably want to try and get a loan, get some regular game time somewhere for the second half of the season in the Premier League or or maybe a foreign league, but I can't even see that happening now. 
because it's just too iffy. Like you say, there's such a cluster of games towards the end of December. The likelihood of going that far without another injury just seems so unlikely. Um, Honestly, I mean, essentially, Hoybier and Skip are the only kind of natural central midfielders. Obviously, we know LaCelso can kind of play there, but you'd probably not want to have him in a in a two, maybe, or even kind of. I suppose he's not going to really play with a two anyway, Postacoglu, too much. I mean, we saw a little bit of it at the weekend when Kulusevski at times was like a number ten in front of um, uh, Lacelso and Benton Kerr, but it's it, it's more of a three normally. Um, yeah, it's. Oh. It's so makeshift Spurs right now. This is the biggest thing. I just feel so sorry for Postacoglu. All these plans that were absolutely flying and everything he was trying to do, it's been kind of cut off at the knees, um, which I wouldn't be shocked if that's another injury that Spurs get at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's cut off at the knees quite literally. Um, it's just, oh, it's just ridiculous. It's only just, it is Spurs. It is. Um, I was trying to think of players that could potentially come in in January. And I mean, the obvious one I think everyone's going to be probably looking at in the Premier League is probably going to be Calvin Phillips because he needs to leave to get game time. But if I'm Calvin Phillips, I probably don't come to Spurs because you're, when everyone's fit, you're not going to be playing regularly. And he has a similar situation as he does at at City. Um, obviously, Conor Gallagher they liked in the summer, but he's played almost every minute and he's been talking in the last couple of weeks about signing a new deal and how he's confident that's going to happen. Ruben Neves, people spoke about Ruben Neves, but even he, uh, the word seems to be that um, Al-Hilal, Al-Hilal is his team. They're not going to let him go in January to anyone anyway. Um, I saw Brian Cristante, the uh, Roma midfielder, was linked um, a couple of weeks back. The only thing with him is he's very much a defensive midfielder, um, can occasionally fit in at centre-back. I don't know how much of a Postacoglu midfielder that would make him because he really kind of needs his midfielders to be that little bit more able in the final third as well and kind of pushing on even the number six. So, yeah, I wonder whether it's it's a position where we find now Johan Lang and his um, little recruitment trio of him, uh, Rob McKenzie and Frederick Leth that all came from Aston Villa, I have no doubt that Fabio Pratici will be offering his advice in a consultancy <laughs> role as well. Um, but they need to kind of come up with some real gems, I think, for Postacoglu to look down the list and, and pick some because I think you need at least one coming into that central midfield role now. Whereas I think previously, maybe they could have got away with it in January. I think you, you pretty much said that a, a moment ago. I think you could have got away with putting your money elsewhere and now I just think it's too much of a risk to do that unless he promotes someone from the kind of the youth sides that makes an impression. Um, obviously, there's Matthew Craig. He's been playing well for the under-21s. Um, it just feels like there's a little bit of reluctance from Postacoglu at the moment to really blood these under-21 players. So I don't know how much of a chance he'd really get. Um, I was trying to think who else is playing in that midfield. Obviously, it's Donnelly, Craig, at times Lyons, Foster, Niall John sometimes in there as well. Uh, although I watched, when I watched a couple of months back, I watched Niall John playing as a false nine, which was, I'd never seen him do that before. Um, but ultimately, I think you have to bring someone in. Um, 
And it also means that maybe that was a window where you could have got some money for Hoybier if they had wanted to let him go. Now you can't really even risk that. It's just so many knock-on effects from this Benton Coor injury. Um, but like I say, just most sorry for the player himself. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have let Hoybier go anyway. Uh, I think if he's going to go, I'd just let him go in the summer. I know, yeah, you might be able to get more money in January, but you've got to account for injuries, what have happened. And as we've said on the previous pods, there's sometimes players who start the season out of the team but finish the season in the team. And that could well be the case with Hoybjerg. So I know he was heavily linked with a move to the likes of Manchester United, Atletico Madrid, and then there was a lot of talk about uh, deadline day move to Fulham. There's going to be plenty of talk about him in January. Uh, I think Ajax and Juventus have already uh, been linked with him, but... No, I think Roma for me that as well, haven't they? Roma yeah. Mourinho likes them, doesn't he? And because uh, that was, I think the Cristante talk was a potential swap. I think that was the idea. Yeah, uh, that'd just be completely off the table uh, for me now. Uh, I've no idea who they'll look to bring in. Whether they just look to do something as a learn option, unless there is a player, Postacoglu and uh, Johan Lang want for the long term future. Whether they look at his former club Celtic and look at someone like. Matt O'Reilly perhaps uh, who certainly wouldn't cost the world compared to some of the other players uh, who you've mentioned it's just a shame that they couldn't get Conor Gallagher in August because I just don't think there's any chance of him moving now being a regular for Chelsea this season captain them as well uh, a number of times so yeah we'll just have to wait and see uh, what Spurs do in January the thing is it also has a knock-on effect on the style of play it's, that's the other thing. It's like Benzenko, you knew he fit the Postacoglu role, whereas someone like Hoybier, who has done well at times, certainly, especially coming off the bench, he's not going to bring the same kind of attributes. It's slightly different. Um, and it, again, it just compromises what Postacoglu wants to do with this team. And it's, it is. He's kind of got one hand tied behind his back um, before he's even really got going at Spurs. Only Spurs can do that to a to a manager. Um, but yeah, what what do you think for the January transfer? And do you do you how I've put you massively on the spot now? How many new faces do you think they need, and in what positions? Uh, three, three new yeah. faces: a centre back, a midfielder, probably a versatile forward, someone who can maybe play through the middle, but also out wide on the left. Uh, I know there's been a lot of talk of Jota uh, making the move. Yeah, he'd be a decent one. I think centre-back is absolute priority because really it should have been done in the summer. Yeah, it really and, should have. And then to sell Davinson Sanchez on top of that, that's you're just looking at now and you're just questioning why on earth did the uh, green light that in the end. But yeah, uh, three players I'd be looking at. I think you've just got to remember... January is not a busy month for a lot of clubs. It's just, you know, bringing in players where there's gaps and needing to fill positions. So, I mean, some fans might be thinking maybe, you know, five or six new additions. Can't see it just never happens in January. Just because there's limited players available and, you know, the ones who are seem to, you know, cost the world. So, I'd probably say three players. Yeah, I'd agree. I've been speaking to various kind of agents and people in the game today and they've all been saying the same thing, just how quiet it is right now in the market. 
and how clubs really aren't making their intentions known at the moment. There's no real sniffing around players, um, which is fascinating. I think it shows maybe how many clubs are kind of set in what they're going to do. And then you have someone like Spurs is kind of having real issues. Um, Jota makes sense for me. Um, Obviously, and I I keep going back to this. I think I've said this before on the pod, so apologies for those who remember it. But I did find it interesting that when I spoke to uh, various people kind of in and around Celtic when Postacoglu came and I asked which players do you think he should bring with him, Jota wasn't on their lists. Um, I don't know whether that was just a feeling that they didn't feel he could make the step up to the Premier League. I don't know. He scored a lot of goals, got a lot of assists in the Scottish Premiership. But yeah, whether there was any doubts over that. And then obviously he's gone to the Saudi Pro League um, under Nuno back then, before Nuno kind of got the bullet, and found himself out of the... You're only allowed to register eight players and he wasn't even registered. So he's gone there for £25 from Celtic played the first few games and now he can only play like the odd, I think it's Asian Champions League game and their domestic cups and things like that. So I think on paper it makes perfect sense because he's someone that knows the Postacoglu way inside out. He's got great energy. He's got to press high up the pitch. He knows where the goal is. Um, Whether you, I think if they could get some kind of loan deal, I mean, that's the thing. Surely if they're not going to play him, um, it makes very little sense for him to remain there anyway. Um, and if you could do some kind of deal where they get him for the, at least the rest of the season, maybe with an option, then surely that makes some sense. If Postacoglu thinks he can make the step up to the Premier League, that's a big thing as well. But um, yeah, I'm intrigued to see where they go with a lot of these centre-backs. Like you say, it's absolutely desperate. Um I'm intrigued to see whether they go back for Lloyd Kelly or not, but he's featured quite regularly for Bournemouth. He hasn't really, after the initial kind of, there was a moment, wasn't there, where he, I think they said he was slightly affected by the transfer speculation. And I think he was kept out the next game or two. And since, he's pretty much slotted straight back in. I've had some people I was speaking to today have a little bit concerns about his height and whether he's going to be a centre-back for the long term. Um, whether he does end up remaining as like... He plays as a left-back, doesn't he, sometimes, as well as centre-back. Another one who captains his team um, on occasions. So I can understand why Spurs want to sign him. I guess it comes down to he's in the last year of his deal, whether if he tells Bournemouth he's not going to do assign a new one, then I guess they maybe have to make a decision on him. Um yeah, it'd be interesting. There's like this Tosin, uh, Tosin Adarabayu as well. He's in the last year of his contract. He's been out with, uh, he had groin surgery. He only just came back at the weekend. Uh, Trevor Chalaber they liked as well. He hasn't even played this season. He had a in, um, hamstring injury and then a setback on that as well. Um, I was just looking around, like kind of some of the potentials. And I know some Spurs fans would, uh, a few were speculating about whether Joe Roden could come back. I don't think, that's part of his deal that he can do that. I think uh, Leeds boss Daniel Farkas essentially said that as well. Um, Tapsoba signed a massive new deal, didn't he? Only uh, two months ago. So he's off the table. I saw they were linked with a Genoa um, young lad, Radu Dragosin. That sounds to me like an expensive kind of deal as well. I think there's a few clubs looking at him. So, yeah. And then you've got the Eric Dyer situation. Eric Dyer's contract will be up in about six months' time but you can't probably allow him to go despite the fact that he's still not really playing. Um, uh, 
it's just a mad situation. It is, but yeah, I agree with you entirely. Centre back, um, midfielder that can play the number eight role for me, like a box to box one, um, and a versatile forward who can either do you a job on the wings or through the middle if needed. Um, do you know what? I, who I looked up today because I wanted to see how he'd got on. Gift Orban. There was such a big deal about around him in the summer. Obviously, he was like this prolific young goal scorer for um, Ghent in the Belgian league. And uh, I looked up just to kind of see how he'd done. And he's actually really gone off the boil. Um, his manager's given him a bit of um, flack about his work ethic and his lack of pressing when he's on the pitch, which is exactly what he'd need under Postacoglu. Um, and if you take, because he, he had a couple of hat-tricks in the Conference League in the qualifying stages, so you take those two out of it, I mean, if you just look at his league form alone, he's only scored three goals this season. Um, and he hasn't been in their starting lineup uh, for about the past couple of months, mostly. Um, it's funny, isn't it, how these kind of players, we, we forget how young they are. And we see this wonder kid, this sensation. And even in the Belgian league, he's kind of having a struggle with his second, uh, I don't know if it's second or third season. But yeah, yeah, I'm intrigued to see um, kind of what happens with Gift Orban and whether they, maybe his price goes down now. Maybe they sense an opportunity. Um, it was Samuel Eiling Jr. He was the other one that they really liked. Um young wing, winger who's at Juventus, but also he similarly hasn't really played masses of football this season. Um, he hasn't quite been able to break into their first team yet. Um, I wonder if they'll have a look at Marcus Edwards, potentially. You know, Maybe, yeah. Sell on, uh, they got to sell on, so it could be a bit of a bargain price for them. Um, I think his release clause was up there in the 50, 57 million, something like that. So you'd still, I think, looking in the 30s if you're going to sign him. Um, but yeah, that'd be quite nice uh, to see him kind of come back and fulfill what he maybe could, should have done at, at Spurs. But yeah, I, I'm sure there'll be, this is the, the good thing, I guess, about having, um, Johan Lang coming in is you're going to get, he's very data based, very research kind of analytic style looks at things. So you're going to get a lot of names. I think that none of us had anticipated a lot of left field names, who just match the numbers uh, exactly in all the areas that Postacoglu needs. And and to be honest, as much as we want to know as journalists and the media always want to know, if you can do your business under the radar, especially in January, it kind of allows you to hopefully get the earlier deals done and planned. So that's kind of what Spurs need to do, but it's the worst month to do it in because if anything, they need them for the early part of the month. But yeah, we'll see what kind of shakes up in the mix. Right, uh, we're only doing a short podcast uh, today as this is the second one this week. So I think we're now halfway through the show. So Ali, do you want to let everyone know about the benefits of using NordVPN? Of course. If you're not aware by now, the Golden Guest Talk Tottenham podcast is sponsored by NordVPN and you can use the service in a host of different ways to enhance your internet experience. NordVPN is the fastest VPN in the world and that means there's no buffering, there's no lagging and you can stream your favourite shows from anywhere in the world without your bandwidth throttling. Something I've done numerous times over the years, whether I've been on holiday, whether I've been on kind of work trips with Spurs, um, just to be able to access things I would normally back home, but for some reason they don't let you do when you're abroad, or even just for the security aspect of it. Um, it's it's a, a safer way of doing it when you're um, using your devices on public Wi-Fi. So not only that, but the outlay on the NordVPN subscription is cheaper for you in the long run. That's because you can purchase streaming services or bookings from other countries at a much cheaper rate. For example, you can book flights from other countries and that can be cheaper too. 
which means you're paying out for Nord, but you're saving money overall. There's a whole host of other benefits from signing up to NordVPN, so why not give it a go? You can grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash goldguest to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan, plus four additional months for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Right, we're going to discuss the Man City game, but first we've also got something we want to talk about, uh, what Ali mentioned in the last podcast, and that's Tottenham's eight players out on loan. So we're going to discuss how they've fared so far this season and what the future holds for them at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. So the eight out on loan, it's Joe Roden and Jen Spencer at Leeds United, Troy Parrots at Excelsior Rotterdam, then Scarlett at Ipswich, Alfie Devine at Port Vale, Tongi on the belly at Galatasaray, Sergio Reguilons at Manchester United and Jaffet Tanganga in the Bundesliga with Augsburg. So we were talking about, obviously, the need to strengthen midfield. What I thought you were going to go into earlier as potential options was bring back Tongi on the belly and get him in <laughs> and cross the Cogloose Tottenham team. <laughs> Uh, um, <laughs> well, um, probably not. No, um, uh, Tongi, Tongi. Um, just to let people know. Well, actually, first off, I should also apologise in my throat. If you haven't noticed already, it's a little bit iffy, but I'm going to try to get through the podcast. But you might hear me spluttering in the background occasionally. Um, and what we're going to do with these loan players, essentially, not only we just have a quick discussion of how they're getting on on their loans, in case you weren't aware, but we kind of give our verdict not that it particularly matters to anyone but we're going to give our verdict on whether they're going to have a, a Tottenham future or not um and when it comes to Tongi I think I'm already have to say probably not <laughs> um he hasn't really gone to Galatasaray and done anything of note thus far they had a bit of a bust up with the coach there reportedly I should state uh, the Turkish media said it was about um it was I hate to feed into the narrative to pardon the pun but it was about um potentially eating junk food and things like that and not getting his weight down to the levels they wanted him to um but in positive news in the recent international break apparently he had a really good talks with the um not only the manager but I think also other people at the club as well and really kind of knuckled down and put in loads of extra work over the international break which they were really happy with which then got him a start, only a second start of the season. I think he actually played the full 90 minutes, his first 90 minutes of the season for them as well as they won 4-0. And then uh, in the Champions League game against United, he came on for the last half hour as well. Um, obviously, they pulled it back, didn't they, Galatasaray, and drew 3-3, so I'm sure he can claim... He started, didn't he? I thought he started. I think Did he, he started, th- yeah. Oh, really? I think he started and played an hour. Oh, I'll double check okay. and then he got he got took off. Look. No, I can look. I can look as I'm talking. Um, oh, that's interesting. I thought it was the other way around. Um, no, he he started and Sergio Oliveira replaced him uh, oh, on the hour mark. Oh, there you go then. So his his um, efforts have already kind of got him two starts in a row. Um, that's pretty cool. I wonder where I got that from. No, no, yeah. Oh, I know why. I just read it completely wrongly. I read that as he came on in the 60th minute yeah. when he actually went off in the 60th minute. That's the high-level investigative reporting <laughs> you can expect. Um, well, there you go. That that proves the point. That hopefully now this it means a little run for him in their team. 
Um, but I just can't see him ever being the player that Postacoglu wants, unfortunately. Um, as much as I love his ability, um, I think the key now is just is find someone where they want to buy him. And I guess if he has a good second half to the season with Galatasaray, maybe they will pay that fee, which I think is only around, isn't it, about 15 million euros? I can't remember what it was at the time now. Uh, it's not a lot, especially when you take into account that he was a club record signing for around £60 million for Spurs. But yeah, I mean, best of luck to him, but I don't think it's going to be at Spurs. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, he quite clearly doesn't have a future at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Uh, I don't know what happens with him. I don't know whether he goes at the end of his contract, whether that's 2025 potentially or 26. I'm I'm not sure when the end of his contract comes to a conclusion or whether it's just or whether it's just one of these where they go, right, we'll just pay up now. Clean slate. I don't know. I don't think they'll sell him permanently. Really? Just because, I mean, how many loan clubs has he been at now and he's just never done it? If, I would say, if this is, I know we've had so many ifs with Tongi, but if this is the start of a run of games and he impresses, if I'm Galatasaray, I kind of think to myself, maybe we sign him and then sell him in the same summer. Um, you know, which we've seen done quite a few times because maybe they think they can get better than 15 million euros for him. It might happen. They'd yeah, he's quite, but... <laughs> quite clearly got it in him, but we've just never seen it from him on a consistent yeah. basis. And that's why clubs haven't been queuing up, you know, to sign him so far over the past, what, two or three summers. Uh, I think Tongi's quite clearly no future. Uh Shall we stay abroad and we'll go with Jaffet Tanganga at Augsburg? I mean, absolute nightmare season for the defender. Uh, given the green light to, you know, leave in the summer on loan to try and, you know, play regular football because he's not had that at Spurs over the past probably three seasons just because of all the injury issues he's had. And yeah, uh, I think he's been in the match day squad once so far played in the international break they had a bit of a a friendly against the lower league team got 45 minutes under his belt and I don't think he was in the squad at the weekend and given there's been a change of management there he potentially might not even play before Christmas yeah it's the knee isn't it that knee I mean he's had knee issues in the past I think he's had back issues as well um I do feel sorry for him because he's never had a run of games at any point in his career, whether that is because he just came out of the side because he was just filling a gap at the time or whether it was because of injuries. He's never really got his career up and going and he's still, is he 24? He can't be that old. Um, I really feel so sorry for him. Um, And there is an option, isn't there? I think for this loan, actually, I think it was one that was quite, it was one that would be turned into a permanent one if certain requirements were met. And at the time, from what I understood, it was like it was quite an easy one that was likely to be made permanent. But now I wonder whether he's actually going to be able to even meet those criteria. Um, oh, it's such a shame. He's a, he was a really talented kind of young defender and he's kind of been wrecked by injury, really. 
Um, hopefully, can get to the end of that and uh, yeah, just get get some game time and, and get that knee working again. Really, I don't think yeah. it'll be at Spurs. No, no, he's he's no future at Spurs. He just needs a fresh move and you know look to be on his side for once, just to get his career back on track. Right, we'll move across to the Eredivisie now. Try Parrot at Excelsior Rotterdam. Decent loan spell for Parrot so far. Maybe wasn't starting a lot of games during the first part of the season, but he's been scoring of late. But I think he's another one for me. He just doesn't have a future at Spurs. I think if he was going to make it, because there was an awful lot said about him, probably about four or five years ago when he was scoring goals for fun for the club's youngsters, He's just never been able to transfer it into the first team. He's never had those opportunities. And he's just at the age now where I think he needs a permanent move. So for me, Parrot doesn't have a future. And I think this summer he will, you know, him and the club will go their separate ways. I'm not giving up on him yet. I'm gonna right, I'm gonna right. I'm gonna eighty five percent agree with you. But I just think this loan could be the making of him. I've been really impressed with him kind of watching real kind of extended highlights of a lot of the um, Excelsior Rotterdam games to kind of get as much of a sense as I can of how he's playing over there. And like you say, he wasn't in the starting lineup to begin the season, but he's worked incredibly hard. He was getting like little goals and assists from the bench. And in the last kind of run of games, he's got himself into the starting lineup and he's been excellent. He's been so good. I mean, the last eight matches, he's had four goals and two assists for them in the Eredivisie. Um, he is creating chances for himself and for others. Um, he's showing some lovely finishes as well. We always knew he was a really good finisher. Um, so I just want to see. Uh, he's, I just got this feeling. It's, it's, the only problem I would say is that he's playing at a team that are not going to be right, right up there at the top of the, the table. So he's going to have to kind of, like I say, create chances for himself or um, just be really clinical when the chances do come along. Like, for example, he got a goal and assist at the weekend as they played the derby against Feyenoord, but Feyenoord still won 4-2. Um, it's like that's kind of going to have to... He's just going to have to impress in the time that he's got and obviously play a big part in hopefully pushing Excelsior up the table. But I just wonder if he could get into... You know, he's on four goals already. If he can get up into double figures, maybe get like 15 or something at the end of the season, whether Posto Coglu thinks, okay, you've really kind of developed. Let's have a little look at you in pre-season, give you this one last pre-season to make my mind up. You never know. You never know. Um, it, it's down to Troy. And to be honest, either way, I think if he keeps this up, he's going to get himself a really good move in the summer if he doesn't stay at Spurs. So, yeah, I'm not giving up on him yet. He's still only 21 years old. I know he turns 22 in a couple of months, but he's still in that kind of position where... I think everyone always use the Harry Kane one, won't they? They'll always say, well, Harry Kane didn't really show what he could do until that point. Um, so, yeah, I'm not going to give up on him yet, but I, I do feel like you that it might end up that he has to go elsewhere to get his game time. Another space striker out on loan is Dane Scal at Ipswich Town. It's been an extremely frustrating season, uh, I think, for Dane so far at Ipswich. Uh, joining the club who, let's be honest, were riding the crest of a wave after their promotion from League One last season and their form has just carried on and carried on. And they're obviously one of the favourites to return to the Premier League for the first time in about 22 years now. Uh, currently second in the table and just because of the form, 
Dane's just not been able to get minutes here and there. I was speaking with Alex Jones, who's an Ipswich reporter for the East Anglia Daily Times last week. And he was saying, we've seen, you know, glimpses of quality from him when he's been coming onto the pitch. But what's not helped his case is he's been coming on when, you know, either the games have been done or Ipswich are chasing the goal. And he's not been given sufficient playing time, you know, to make his mark. And I think some fans probably aren't convinced about him so far, but he's not really been given a chance. I mean, you could say it's similar to Brian Hill at Spurs. How can you judge someone when when they've not started games and they've been getting little bits here and there? And for Dane, it's been the struggle, certainly not helped by the fact that he was cup-tied because I think they certainly played against Wolves and Fulham in the cup for Ipswich. And yeah, I think it's one of these where Spurs, what they usually do in the loan agreements with the clubs, especially for the youngsters, there's you know a recall clause and potentially that could be the case with Dane uh, in January and just get him some regular first-team football elsewhere in the championship. Uh Still a early young lad. Uh, he's clearly got it in him to have a, a bright future. I think there probably is a future for him at Spurs, but he just needs to have a successful loan spell, really, to help his cause. Yeah, I think the decision they make in January is going to be key for him. I think there's an element of being involved in a successful team and the mentality that comes with that. But I think getting like seven, eight minutes or so from the bench all the time, it's not really developing him on the pitch. And he is a player that Postacoglu really liked. He kind of praised him quite a lot. Um, uh, was it, it was either you, it might be one of us, you or I, that asked him about Dane um, towards the end of, it was either the end of preseason or just into the season. He was really kind of effusive in his praise for him and thinks he's going to be a really big talent. So. Yeah, he's obviously got a manager who's kind of looking out for him. Um, I think maybe you just, yeah, you call him back in January um, and and send him somewhere else in the championship, perhaps. Just a, a team that really kind of needs him to be playing week in, week out. Um, and, and just like the same with, um, with, like, same with uh, Troy Parrott. Just get him game time, get him some goals, get his confidence up. Um, and then he comes back next summer in a in a strong position to kind of try and make some kind of mark. Yep. Uh, staying in the championship, we'll go Joe Rodden and Jed Spencer Leeds. I think yep. Joe Rodden, absolutely fantastic loan spell so far. I know a few Leeds fans and they've been absolutely raving about him. Some towering performances, especially the one away at Leicester the other week when they won 1-0 at the King Power Stadium. Jed Spence, it's not quite happened for him at Leeds so far. He's been injured. I think he played nine minutes on his debut against Sheffield Wednesday when he came off the bench. Uh, back on the bench last night, he's been working his way back to fitness. Daniel Fark, uh, the Leeds manager, was speaking about him and he said uh, his place on the bench last night against Swansea wasn't a gift. He's been putting in the work on the training pitch and now it's just about upping his fitness level. So I think it'll be from December onwards when we see Jed have an impact at Ellen Road. In terms of a long-term future for him, both at Spurs, I don't think Joe Rodden has one. Jed Spence, I think he needs a good loan spell. A Leeds maybe to change Postacoglu's thinking, but with Pedro Porro playing so well, Emerson is another option. Uh, you just can't see where he's going to get that game time from unless he you know, is outstanding for Leeds between now and May. 
Yeah, I'd probably say no to both of them right now. Um, I think for Joe Roden, if I'm Joe Roden, I wouldn't even want to go back to Spurs anyway. Yeah. <laughs> He's been so kind of his career has just been a complete waste of time going to Spurs. It really has for him. I do feel for him. Um, and yeah, like you say, he's been absolutely smashing it at Leeds. Though I'd pretty no doubt, pretty much no doubt, they'll want to keep him. I wouldn't even be shocked if in January they kind of tried to make start setting up a deal to sign him permanently. Because whether that ends up being at the end of the season or something, but he's just been yeah phenomenal for them. Daniel Fark's just been praising him nonstop, um, and yeah, I mean. He Spurs could get a reasonable price for him. I think he'll still have maybe a year left, I think, afterwards. I can't remember. Um, and in which case, you know, maybe looking at 10, 15, but you're probably going to recoup your money for him if he has, because knowing if he gets them into the Premier League as well, you know that he'll have that little bit of extra money to spend as well. Um, and when it comes to Jed, yeah, uh, obviously back now, which is great. Had this eight, nine weeks out with um, his injury. Um, was it was it a knee injury in training, wasn't it? It was, it was, yeah. yeah. Um, I think he'll... He needs a really good second half of the season. He's going to be a backup whatever, isn't he, really, unless he puts in some phenomenal performances. But I just think, yeah, I think his future lies elsewhere, which... Again, there's another one of those sliding doors moments. You think, well, all the interest in him in that summer uh, when Conte was there, you kind of think, oh, I bet he wishes he'd just pick someone else and not Spurs and he'd maybe be in a different position in his career right now. <clears throat> yeah, uh, there's two more left. We'll need to rattle these off pretty quickly uh, as we're going to speak about Man City before we end the pod. So it's Sergio Reguilón at Manchester United, Alfie Devine at Port Vale. Uh, I think Reguilón's not really had that much football this season at Old Trafford, despite them being quite short of left-back and Luke Shaw really returning recently. He doesn't have a future uh, at Tottenham. I think that's pretty, he's pretty clear to see. Uh, Don't around the bush. Tell us what you actually think, yeah? Well, he might as well just say it straight. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't have a future at Spurs. If he did, he'd still be at the club, wouldn't he? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Alfie Devine, he has a big future at Spurs. I think, I think he's a player made for Postacoglu's midfield. Good loan speller at Port Vale so far. Some very key goals, including the winner away at Mansfield in the Carabao Cup. So they've got a Carabao Cup quarterfinal clash against Middlesbrough in about two, three weeks' time. So a big chance for Divine to be in the spotlight and, you know, help Port Vale create history and potentially make the final four. So Divine's had a good loan spell so far and just, just want him to carry on uh, going the way he's going. Yeah, I think Reglan had a little run of games, didn't he, before he picked up an injury uh, while Shaw was out. Um, and some people kind of, he was getting a little bit of praise there as well. I just wonder now, he's like back on the bench. Uh, did he play any part against Galatasaray last night? I think Shaw was played the full oh, 90. Oh, Shaw played again? Yeah. Straight yeah, away? Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, I, th- I wouldn't be stunned if United may, because there's a there's a kind of an agreement from all to relook at the loan in January. I wonder whether he ends up coming back and going somewhere else regular on. Because essentially, he doesn't help Spurs having him there um, unless you know you're getting all the salary off the the wages, but off the wage book. But 
really you want him out somewhere playing constantly so that you can kind of get him off permanently. Um, and yeah, Alfie Devine, terrific young player. Postacoglu really likes him. I think he fits the number eight role like a glove. Um, great loan. It's a That's the thing. This has been a real kind of uh, scattergun kind of feeling of the loan moves, this one. You've had some that have been perfect for the players and they've got so much out of it, like Troy, Joe Roden and, and Alfie. And for others, for differing reasons, it just hasn't worked. Um, Alfie's just, yeah, he's done a terrific job there. He's really kind of showing... What kind of, I think he's got three goals and three assists as well. Bearing in mind, he's, you know, 19. Is he 19 now? I think he is. Um, got 18 matches under his belt. He, yeah, he, he's got his whole kind of exciting career ahead of him. And, yeah, if he can have a good good one, I think he'll probably be part of the Spurs squad next season rather than going off on another loan. So, yeah, one to keep an eye on. Right, we'll move on to Sunday's game against Man City at the Etihad Stadium, 4.30 kickoff. Huge one for Spurs, especially on the back of three successive defeats. But probably not the game you want to be uh, playing, is it, when you're looking to return to winning ways? Spurs have given City a couple of frights, though, at the Etihad in the past two seasons, especially two years ago when they won 3-2, courtesy of that Harry Kane stoppage time winner. And then back in January, 2-0 up at half-time, but City just turned it on after the break and won 4-2. So Spurs going into the game, three successive defeats, a number of injuries. How exactly does Ange Postacoglu approach this game? Oh, to, let's be honest, we already know the answer, don't <laughs> exactly. we? Exactly. just got it all out attack. <laughs> yeah, it's even trying to claim that he might go there and play it safe, uh, it's just not going to happen because we said it before, it kind of betrays everything he's trying to do. Um, and there are there going to be fans that are going to be, if, if this is a landslide scoreline or a really disappointing one, there's going to be fans that are going to say, oh, the bubble's burst, all of this, he's naive. But I, I kind of completely see the point that if he goes into this match, tries to shut up shop, then it sends this rubbish message to the players that essentially yeah, well, you know what I'm trying to teach you to do every week? It doesn't always work, so it's like he has to stick with it. I'd, I'd hope that the players would also understand that, you know, with the absolute kind of <sighs> being wrecked by the injuries, it's not going to be the full version of what he wants, but they kind of still have to stick to the mantra and play that way. Um, yeah, it's not great. It's not going to be a great one. i just got this kind of a bad feeling about it. Um train strikes as well so everyone's going to struggle to get up to the game um uh, it's it's just one i'd love to fast forward through it would be brilliant if we do the pod next week and we're talking about this kind of gritty incredible kind of performance where somehow they managed to still play them off the park i mean hey when he played um his yokohama team in a pre-season tour uh pre-season game against man city obviously with players of a relatively lesser quality they managed to um i think they had something like almost 60 percent possession against man city but i think they still did lose three nil or three one or something um i think that was that would be helpful i think if they are going to lose this game to still have take something from it and you can still see that they were trying to play a certain way and you can see that they were had success with it against Man City. Um, 
But yeah, I, I'm I'm fearful of this one. I am. I always am, though. To be fair, when I go to the Etihad, it's the same as the Emirates. I always feel like it's a game that's always set up for doom and disaster. Um, despite this kind of recent really good record that Spurs have had, uh, have they won three of the last four? Did you say you're going through some of the recent ones there? Who's that? Spurs against City. City. Uh, Spurs at City. I mean, the home form against it is outstanding. Uh, yeah. Away from home. They've all been half five on the Saturday, haven't they? Pretty much apart from last season. Uh, <laughs> defeat last year. Win the year before. I think the others were defeats. I think it's I think. overall, I mean. I think rather than at the oh, Etihad, I o- think the overall, last four. Probably. I think yeah. it might be that it's three out of four or something like that. But, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what team do you think he's going to put out? Uh, Basuma will replace Benson Kerr. I'd probably bring Eric Dyer back in, uh, maybe for Emerson, just for a bit of experience at centre-back. I know that probably won't go down well with fans. Uh, and then if Sars fit, I'd maybe bring Saar back in and put yeah. Brian Hill on the bench. I can't see Brian Hill getting a lot of joy against Kyle Walker. So does that mean then you either move Kuliseski back to his usual position or potentially, I mean, LaCelso, could he play in the front three perhaps? Yeah, yeah. No, better in, better yeah. in midfield. So it probably depends on Sars fitness. But I think Basuma comes in, Dyer, and then Sar potentially if he's fit. Yeah, no, I like that. I think... I was thinking about that the other day, actually. If Saar comes back in, that you push Lacelso up. I mean, it's it's harsh on Brian Hill, yeah. but I think um, Lacelso can play there. He played quite advanced for um, yeah Villarreal last season. Um, I wonder if there's going to be other any other injuries we find out about tomorrow because we were both watching, weren't we? When um, there was lots of shouting going on at the sideline during the game from the back four, and we thought it was Emerson had a knock or something. But there were suggestions that it might have been Destiny um, struggling again with the problem that he's had. So, yeah, whether we end up having some other defensive injury uh, that we hear about tomorrow at the press conference, I don't know. But no, I think I'd probably go the same with you. I think you need Dyer for the Haaland threat. Um, and Dyer's actually played quite well against City, most of the games that they've they've had against them. Um, I think if you let Haaland up against Emerson um, and Davies in the air, he's going to destroy them every time. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, so you're not that confident. <laughs> I reckon there's going to there's gonna be a statement win and a statement performance at some times. I, I just wonder if it is on Sunday because the chances are there. They just need to take them. And City are beatable. I know they're really good at home, but Wolves have beaten them this season. So... No, I mean, no one expected Spurs to win at City two years ago, so you never know. Right. We'll leave that there for today's latest episode of Gold and Guest Hot Tottenham. We'll be back early next week to reflect on the game at the Etihad and then also look ahead to two games next week. So thank you for listening in and just keep with us at football.london for all your latest Tottenham news. To grab our huge discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash gold guest. You can receive an extra four months for free and there's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. The link is in the episode description box. Whether it's the legendary Lionesses, grassroots or expert analysis of the women's leagues, women's football news has it all covered. 
a brand new monthly magazine packed with news, interviews and expert opinion. Don't miss Women's Football News. Pick up a copy today from participating retailers. Women's Football is here to stay and so are we.